Let's look this morning at 1 Thessalonians 5. And what I want to do this morning, I want to bless you this morning and hopefully through the message, but I want to pray God's word over you. We've been talking about this on Wednesday nights, the way we pray for each other and the way we pray to the Lord. But I'm going to ask you one more time to stand right where you are. And I want to pray this scripture over you, proclaiming who you are in Christ. So let's stand together. And I'm going to begin reading 1 Thessalonians 5 at verse 4, okay? But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day of the Lord would overtake you like a thief. Paul's been talking about the second coming. You are not in darkness. For you are all, for you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor of darkness. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. For those who sleep do their sleeping at night, and those who get drunk get drunk at night. But since we are of the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but for obtaining salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we will live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build up one another, just as you also are doing. But we request of you, brethren, that you appreciate, get to know those who diligently labor over you, among you, and who have charge over you in the Lord and and give you instruction, and that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Live in peace with one another. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one repays another with evil for evil, but always seek after that which is good for one another and for all people. You may be seated. God, thank you for your word this morning. God, we thank you for reminding us that we are no longer darkness, but now we are light in the Lord. And we can walk as children of light. And Lord, we thank you that by your grace and in your providence, we do this together. We do this together. And Lord, we need to encourage one another as we walk in the light. The darkness is always nipping at our heels. The darkness is always confronting us with temptation. And Lord, we want to encourage one another today from your word. God, we want to be people of encouragement. So, Lord, we ask you now to speak to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Encourage one another. We've gone through the one another series, and we were kind of wrapped it up last week, but because of unforeseen circumstances, we're, we're going to extend it one more week. And uh, this is a great passage. This is a great command that we are to encourage one another. What does it mean to encourage one another? How do we do that? Let me give you a, a simple definition this morning. We encourage one another when we are used by the Holy Spirit to remind one another of God's presence, God's perspective, and God's power. That's spiritual encouragement. That's Christian encouragement. When we're used by the Holy Spirit to remind one another, why do we need to be reminded? Because we are monumental forgetters. I heard that term years ago, and and the people at Open Door have heard that for years, but that's the truth, truth of all of us. We are monumental forgetters, and you see it all through Scripture. God just simply reminds us. Paul told the church, just remember Jesus Christ. Why do we need to be reminded of that? Because we forget. 
And so encouragement is when we remind each other in the power of the Holy Spirit of the power, the, the, the presence and the perspective and the power of God, because sometimes we forget. The Holy Spirit, if you're a Christian today, the difference between a Christian and a non-Christian is the fact that the Holy Spirit lives in your life. Christ dwells in you. Christ dwells in, say that, say that with me, Christ dwells in me. Christ dwells in me. The Holy Spirit is in your life. Paul says, do you not know that you're a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you and that the Spirit of God is holy and that is what you are, 1 Corinthians 3. So the Holy Spirit is in us and the Holy Spirit bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God and he brings us together in the fellowship of the Spirit. And we need to continually be speaking to one another, reminding one another of the presence, the perspective, and the power of God, because we are monumental forgetters. It's interesting that the word for encouragement is very similar to the word comfort. As a matter of fact, some, trans, some translations use the word comfort in verse 11 there instead of encourage, but it's the same thing. But let me ask you this morning, who is the great comforter that Jesus promised would come to us? Talk to me this morning. Who? The Holy Spirit. John 14, 26, Jesus said in the King James, but the comforter whom the father shall send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I've said. So here's the, the kind of the, the deal. We get to comfort and encourage one another in a very similar way that God comforts and encourages us through his presence in the Holy Spirit. So I don't know about you, but that gets me excited about this ministry of encouragement. I get to be a part of what the Holy Spirit is doing, not only in my life, but in the church. And we get to be used by God to encourage one another to remember the presence and perspective and the power of God. Because sometimes we forget. So we comfort and we encourage one another. But let me tell you, there's a problem. Because the church is becoming like the world in many ways, unfortunately. See, the world is becoming disconnected. That, that's why Colby and I felt it's so important for us to preach this one another series so that we can remember that we need to be connected. The world is drifting apart. There, there's a book by a guy named Robert Putnam, and he was a professor at Harvard University. And the title of the book it's a study of society, but it's a t- the title of the book is Bowling Alone. How many of you bowl? Not everybody at one time. Okay, okay. So that supports the fact. You know, 30 years ago, he said it was not uncommon for people to be a part of a bowling league. And I know bowling may be a little outdated. But he goes on to say that today, in the last 30 years, the, that uh, volunteerism is down 50% for political campaigns, for civic organizations, for the PTA. The PTA has suffered greatly in enrollment because people are just not involved. They're not connecting with each other. They're not serving together. You know, people just don't visit like they used to. I I read another study. They were talking about, we have become a backyard society. Now, when I was a kid, uh, by the way, I'll be 59, August the 6th. That's Saturday. You you can write that down. August 6th, my birthday. Okay. My favorite song is happy birthday, Keith Pugh. Anyway, when I was growing up, people used to visit. And they, it was not uncommon before air conditioned to sit on the front porch. And what did we do on the front porch? 
talked and we rocked. We were the original rock and rollers. I mean, we, we knew how to rock. You kids think you can rock. We were the original rockers. I mean, we'd sit on the front porch and we'd rock and we would talk. And Aunt Mabel would walk by with Uncle Merle and they'd stop by and we'd visit on the front porch. But what does the typical home look like today in America? Fenced-in backyard. Very little, if any, front porch at all. We've become a backyard society rather than a front porch society. And I'm saying, hey, that's just the way we are. And there are a lot of reasons. Television changed everybody's life. Now, when you sit around, Teresa and I were in the waiting room with Lynn the other day in surgery, and everybody in the waiting room is doing what? It's so funny. Teresa and I text each other. (laughs) I can tell her things on the text. Anyway, so, uh, but that's the way the world is in. But that's kind of typical of our society. We're becoming rapidly a disconnected society. Church, we've got to stop making excuses and start making progress. We've got to stop making excuses and start making progress. How can we be more effective together? How can we work it, as we've talked about, accepting one another, loving one another, Bearing one another's burdens, bearing with one another, be kind to one another. And this morning, I hope that we leave here with 300 or so dedicated encouragers. I want to become an encourager. I want to remind people of God's presence, God's perspective, and God's power. Encouraging one another is not just something that happens. It just doesn't happen naturally. Paul had to encourage, had to remind, had to command the church to do it. And just like kindness, it's not complicated. Encouraging someone is not complicated, but just like kindness, it's not optional either. Okay? It's not optional. We need to be encouragers. So who needs encouragement? Number one, in your outline, encouragement is essential for all of us. Every one of us. Every one of us need encouragement. You know why? Listen to me, because we all struggle from time to time. Every one of us. We all struggle from time to time in our life, in our faith, in our walk with Christ. We need to be reminded of God's presence, God's perspective, and God's power because we all struggle. We need someone to come along beside us and help us. We've seen that throughout. Batman had who? Robin. The Lone Ranger had Tonto. Superman had nobody. Hey, you're not Superman. Somebody said, Lois Lane. No, Lois Lane. Superman had nobody. See, we think we can do it on our own. I love the story. True story. Muhammad Ali was flying on a commercial flight one day, and the stewards came by and said, Mr. Ali, would you buckle your seatbelt? He looked at her and said, Superman don't need no seatbelt. He looked at him and said, Superman don't need no airplane. So uh, (laughs) you are not Superman. I'm not Superman. Throughout history, we all work together to get better together. We need each other. We need someone to come along beside us. We need someone to encourage us, to remind us. Who do we encourage? It's essential for all of us. Chapter 5, verse 14. We urge you, brethren, admonish the unruly. The unruly, we have them. Encourage the faint-hearted. Faint-hearted, that's an interesting word. Those who are just weak as pond water. 
You see this in the Old Testament when, when the nation of Israel was coming in to wipe out the, the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hittites and the Mosquito Bites. It said they, they lost their heart. They became faint-hearted. We just can't do it. Have you ever felt like that? Those are the folks who need to be encouraged. Encourage the faint-hearted. Help the weak. Be patient with everyone. Be patient with everyone. So who needs encouragement? The weak need encouragement. Many people get faint-hearted and discouraged. I mean, there are events that happen in our life unexpectedly that just blow us out of the water. Why did that happen? And we want to get discouraged. Some people get discouraged by, you know, just constant struggles. Other people get discouraged just by the, the daily mundane routine of life. You'd be amazed at how many people are lonely in our culture. How many people are discouraged? See, the opposite of being encouraged is to be discouraged. And people get discouraged because life is just kind of monotonous. It's the same old, same old. And they need to know, hey, be reminded of God's presence, God's perspective. It's going to work and God's power. So who needs to be encouraged? The weak. But let me share with you an Old Testament verse. I'll put this on the screen for you. Deuteronomy 138. Moses speaking, Joshua, the son of Nun, who stands before you, he shall enter there into the promised land. Encourage him. Moses is talking to the nation of Israel. Encourage your leader. Encourage Joshua. For he will cause Israel to inherit the land. Moses knew firsthand what a tough job it was to be a leader. Moses knew that Joshua had a tough job in front of him. So who needs encouragement? Our leaders. Look here in this passage. We urge you, I said, but we request of you, verse 12, brethren, that you appreciate those who diligently labor among you and have charge over you in the Lord and give you instruction. You know, and I know Paul is speaking specifically here for spiritual charge and instruction, but he says in that you esteem them very highly in love because of their work. But you know, the scripture tells us that we're to submit ourselves for the Lord's sake to every human institution whether it's the governor or the king, wherever. So who needs encouragement? Not just the weak and faint-hearted, but our leaders. Think about, I look at Connie, I think of others around here, Melly. We have teachers. They need to be encouraged. Think about our police officers in this day and time. Think about government officials. Our leaders need to be encouraged. Why? Because they have a tough job. They need to know when we, they pay, hey, that guy's from Alberta Baptist Church. How do you know? Because he encouraged me. They're always saying something positive. This is not only the most welcoming place, as Jared said, in the universe. We've gone from University Boulevard to the universe, but we're the most encouraging place. We can encourage the weak and the faint-hearted. We can encourage our leaders. Who needs encouragement? It's essential for all of us. Encouragement, the weak need it, as well as the strong and everyone in between. Okay, that covers us all. All right. Encouragement, secondly, enables us to encounter life's challenges. We all need encouragement because life is tough. Life is tough. And if somebody ever tells you differently, they're not telling the truth. Life is tough. And we all face challenges. So we all need encouragement. Let me tell you, we especially as God's people, we need encouragement. We need to be encouraging one another 
Because, listen to me, the world is opposed to the gospel. The world is opposed to the gospel. We all need encouragement to continue standing firm in Christ in the midst of a world that is not indifferent anymore. The world is hostile toward Jesus. The world is hostile toward Jesus and toward his people. If you haven't found that out yet, then you're not walking with Christ. I mean, there's some issues there somewhere. We are living in diametric opposition to the world and this philosophy. We, Jesus said, all those, Paul said, all those who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Jesus said, in this world, you shall have tribulation. The world opposes our faith. The news media, the entertainment industry, many social and educational institutions are just outright antagonistic to our faith. Church, we got to stick together. We've got to encourage one another because here it's not going to get any better. It's not going to get any easier. We need to encourage one another. We need to encourage one another because the Christian life, the life itself is a struggle. We need to constantly be reminding each other of God's presence, God's perspective, and God's power. Look at what Paul does in verse four. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, that the day would overtake you like a thief. For you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of night nor dark of darkness. That's who you are. That's why we come. We come to encourage one another. And we need to be doing that on a regular basis. Why? Because life is tough. We encounter life's challenges. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25. Let us consider how to stimulate one another to love and good deeds, not forsaking our own assembling together, as is the habit of some. Can you believe that? There's some people who don't like to come together and assemble with, at church with believers, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. Do you notice the connection between assembling and encouraging? Hey, we we need to come together. Why? So that we can encourage one another. We can stimulate one another to love and good deeds. We all need encouragement. And we can't do that by ourselves. One another, coming together. We must be faithful. We need each other. When you're not here, something's missing. We're a body, the body of Christ. And we need to be encouraging one another. Quickly, another passage, Hebrews 3.13. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Notice here the connection between encouragement and obedience. Encouragement and sin. Encouragement and holiness. So that none of us, we encourage one another, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful above all things. Whose heart? My heart. Your heart. It's deceitful. A lot of people, I'll just follow your heart. No, don't do that. Your heart's deceitful. It'll get you in trouble. But see, when we encourage one another, we encourage each other about the deceitfulness of sin. I learned a long time ago, I don't do what's expected, I do what's inspected. You understand that? I don't do what's expected, I do what's inspected. I need people to hold me accountable. 
I need men and women looking into my life and your life. You need the same thing. We uphold each other. We encourage one another every day, the scripture says, as long as it is today. And we encourage one another not to give in to the deceitfulness of sin. We see somebody straight. Hey, you need to get back. Hey, come back here. What's going on? That's a part of encouragement. Let me tell you one other connection. It comes from the Old Testament. How many times do we hear, fear not, neither be dismayed, thou dismayed, or don't be afraid, fear not, don't be discouraged. See, there's a connection between fear and discouragement. Why do we become afraid? God's not given us the spirit of fear, the scripture says, but a power and love and a sound mind. Why do we become afraid? Because we forget God's presence, God's perspective, and God's power. We need to be reminded each other. There's a connection between fear and discouragement. God will not leave us. His presence, he says, is always there. He will not forsake us. Fear not. God has a purpose. God's perspective is that God has a purpose in all that we go through. So fear not. God has the power to see us through whatever comes our way. So fear not. We encourage one another. We encourage each other. Encouragement enables us to encounter life's challenges. Number three, encouragement exhorts us through words, examples, and the presence of others. How are we encouraged? Through word, through deeds, examples, and simply just by the presence of God's people. Let's think about words. We know the power of words. Last week we were in Ephesians 4, and Paul says, Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word that is good for edification, that it may give grace to all who hear. Edification is building up. See, our words are powerful. We can build up other people. We need to be encouraging others. And the main thing, as Christians, we need to be speaking God's word to each other. We just read this passage. What a privilege to to speak that over you. And whenever we encourage one another through God's word, trust in the Lord with all your heart. That's what the scripture says. Be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. We speak the truth to each other. Speak the truth to each other through our words, through our words. Sometimes it's just a simple word of encouragement. I read a true story about a a banker in New York City. And every day when he would go into his office, there was a man who had been injured, lost both his legs, who was a beggar selling pencils right there in front of the bank. So every day he would buy a couple pencils from this beggar. And the guy would first began to thank him. He said, thank you for buying the pencils. He said, no. He said, it's an honor to do business with an honest merchant. And he would buy his pencil. It's an honor to do business with an honest businessman. Every day he said that. One day he came by and he was gone. He didn't see him. A few weeks later, the businessman banker was catching the bus, the, Grand, the train at Grand Central Station, and there he noticed a new shop, and there was his beggar friend. <laughs> he said, what's going on? He said, man, thank you. You're the only one who told me I wasn't a beggar, but I was a businessman. Look at my business. Look at my business. I'm here because of you. The power of encouragement. 
spoken into the lives of other people. Let me tell you the power of example. We're encouraged by the example of others. I'm going to embarrass some folks, but let me just tell you what an encouragement that Herbert and Dot Davis are to me and to all of us. Their example, their example as they faithfully serve the Lord. Let me tell you what an example and encouragement that Ethan and Kara Blankenship are to me. To change the world. To change the world one child at a time through their family. And I tell you, what about Colby and Catherine? Colby is such, they, they went through the darkest night that I think anyone can ever go through when you lose a child. They've got three beautiful little girls. They celebrate the joy of the Lord. They have a wonderful family. But you know, little Luke is always on their heart and mind. And what what a joy and what an encouragement to see them go through this and come out on the other side. What about Brenda and Larry Corder, John and Carolyn Matthews? Cancer is very real. How, How do we go through a struggle and a battle with cancer? We do what they did. They trust the Lord. They trust the Lord. What an example, what an encouragement to all of us. See, what a privilege to be a part of a body where we can see and learn from each other and encourage one another and be an example. Now, there's some folks in here who are a poor example, (laughs) but we need to have good examples, right? We're examples. How do we handle life's challenges? We do what they did. We trust the Lord. They know God's presence. Amen? You know and have God's perspective. You know God's power because you've experienced it firsthand. What a great examples we have, and there are many others here today. But we encourage others with our words, our examples, and with our presence. Finally, with our presence. I heard the story of the little boy going to bed at night, and he said, Mom, can you come sit with me? No, I can't. It's time to go to bed. Come just be with me. Sit on my bed. No. She said, just go to sleep. God is with you. And the little boy said, Mom, I know God is with me, but I need somebody with skin on. And that's what we do for each other. We all need someone with skin on. Somebody to be there with us. When we're fearful or discouraged, it's always good to have someone come alongside. See, your presence, your words, Your example can make the difference between someone going on or giving up. Did you know that? Your words, your example, your presence can make the difference between someone going on or giving up. Our presence. I've shared this many times. I think we learn by repetition, but we all know Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But verse 14 says, nevertheless, Paul says, nevertheless, you have done well to share with me in my affliction. I know I can do it through Christ, but I'm so thankful you are with me. Nevertheless, you have done well to share with me. And that's what God calls us to do as encouragers, to share with each other. Fourthly and finally, encouragement. 
Encouragement is extended to all through Christ. You know, we'd like to say that Alberta Baptist is great at encouraging one another. We do a good job, but we're certainly not perfect. But let me point you to the one who is the perfect encourager. His words are life. His words are truth, and they drive out all fear. His word gives us hope and assurance. His example, unsurpassed. He lived and died the perfect, to be the perfect sacrifice for us. His presence, his presence brings unspeakable joy. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. He extends his encouragement to all, anyone who's weary, anyone who's heavy laden, anyone who's burdened. Jesus says, come to me and I'll give you rest. What kind of comforter is he? His presence, I will be with you always, even to the end of the age. It's his presence in the heart of the believers that that brings us together to fellowship with one another, to accept one another, to love one another, to bear one another's burdens, to bear with one another to be kind to one another and to encourage one another. See, we're in this because of his presence in us. He makes us family. Because of Christ, we claim God as our heavenly father and one another as brothers and sisters. So this morning as I close, won't you join us? (laughs) What a great family. Is it easy? No. Is it perfect? No. Yet God issues an invitation to all who will come to him who will turn from their sin, turn to Christ, and you can become a child of God, a part of God's family, a part of the church that meets here at Alberta Baptist Church, that meets here in this building to become a part of our family, God's children, by simply turning from your sin and turning to Christ. But church, in the meantime, let's be encouragers. Through our words, through our example, and sometimes just by our presence, just being there. Father, thank you for being the great encourager for us.